That's that's about me and my wife. Vegas, pre-kids. We go to Vegas all the time and we would just let loose and just have a party and 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 some great nights I remember um, you know, at our at our local bars up in Edmonton. One was called The Ranch, one country bar was called the Oil City Roadhouse. And uh, I, I don't know, just what what else and and you can drink when you're 18, right? So in Canada. So if it's um if it's it, it, it was literally those days, 18, when, when my wife and I were 18, 19, and 20. There was, there was no stopping us. The intersection of good drinks, good music, and good times. This is Hops and Spirits Bar Conversations. Boy, do we have a great episode for you this week. We chat with award-winning country chart-topping artist Brett Kissel. I swear I haven't had anything to drink yet today, <laughs> but... But I digress. We got a great episode as we talk with Brett. Uh, how he came from a non-musical family to do some amazing things in country music. And for our tasting notes, we talk with Unspilled creator Leah Jean Schaefer. Uh, it's kind of the shortened version of a bigger chat that we had with her. Uh, she has created the ultimate koozie, especially if you love getting out on the water, kayaking, uh canoeing anything like that this is perfect for you if you want to hear the full tasting notes with her uh, just click the link in our uh, episode description and it'll take you right to it but let's not waste any more time and get to the episode and up next is our tasting notes with leah jean schaefer enjoy check out hops and spirits on social media at hop spirits all one word on instagram tiktok facebook and twitter you can also find hops and spirits on youtube and at hopspirits.com the creator of Unspilt, Leah Jean Schaefer. Leah, welcome in. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. So it, so along with nature, beer has been a lifelong uh, love. Now, you, you kind of touched on this, too, because you said, you know, you, while you're out there enjoying nature, you would spill things because you, as you said, you like to be on the water. You like to um, be going about. And unfortunately, for most koozies, they're meant to just keep something cold good luck holding it up anywhere else unless it's in your hand. So is that yep. kind of what pushed you to create what became unspilt? Yeah, it is. Um, there was definitely an unfulfilled need out there. Um, so I'm a stand-up paddleboarder, had started going on some overnight trips, doing a lot of rivers, um, and was getting really tired of not being able to have a drink and keep it safe and secure, um, but also cold or hot, so basically super insulated. I was also getting tired of seeing lots of junk in the river, you know, all these these beer cans and stuff that I know some people threw them out there on purpose, but I, I like to give the benefit of the doubt and think a lot of that happened accidentally. So my husband and I would like, you know, pull into an eddy in the raft and the paddleboard and like pull cans out of the water. And it's like, you know what? There's got to be a better way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so, yeah, that's that's when I started uh, kind of messing around with some prototypes there. Cruised on over to Home Depot, picked up some duct tape, some other like steel plates, and basically cobbled together a prototype. At that time, I didn't think it was a prototype. It was just something so that I could take a beer on the river. Um, but it worked. It had a magnet in it. It had some suction cups. It had, a at that point, just like a cheap foam koozie. But it kept a beer on a paddleboard through like class two rapids and people started noticing and they're like wait a minute <laughs> you just fell off but your beer's on your board and that 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 triggered me to start thinking about developing it further refining the design and then eventually uh, took about eight years to get to the point where i actually had it out on the market because i wanted to share it with everybody else i was gonna say how much fun was it being someone that loves science and loves nature to 
to kind of work on something like that. I'm guessing though, eight years, that's, there's some frustration in the, in there as well, but also a joy of being able to create something that you can share with others. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was fun. It's, you know, about the, the journey, not the, the destination. And this is definitely been a journey and some of it's fun because it's, it's trying to get innovative and learning about magnets. I, I mean, I knew magnets were cool, but now I know way, way too much about towns of course and different fields and, and things that were necessary to refine it to the degree that it is now. So it was, it was definitely fun learning. Um, there's been challenges, you know, I just, I went through the patent process. There's a happy ending. I actually just got my patent not too long ago. So yay. <laughs> but that was definitely, um, there were some up and downs. It took about three years to get that secured. So so you just spent a little bit of time on just everything. Everything wanted to take its time. And you know, for, for those that don't know what unspilt is, can you can you show it off and, and kind of like give us a little example of how it works? And when when you say you fell off the board, but the beer didn't, that literally means the beer koozie stayed on the board or whatever else you've got that you're you're enjoying the water or wherever. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I actually had some friends who took it down the Grand Canyon this past year and they had a, an 18 foot raft. Everybody on the raft, when they went over a wave, fell off. They have this great picture where like one guy's doing a backflip, his feet are up in the air. Everybody else is pretty much in the water. And then sitting right in the middle of the raft is this beer that's completely secure. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. And I'm like, you yeah. know, you guys didn't have to do that just for my marketing. Come on. <laughs> I give them a little residuals, you know, for, for using the photo, maybe, maybe, maybe an extra beer, you know? <laughs> right. Right. I mean, this one's worth like a six pack, I think, but it's basically this two part system. So, um, here's a base logo up. So here's a base that has a very, very strong magnet embedded in it. On the bottom are some super special suction cups. They have this sticky, icky goo on them. So it's a patented polymer and it sticks on like literally anything. I've got a little bit of diamond plate here. Like normal suction cups obviously wouldn't stick to diamond plate, but this does super solid, you know, the whole board there. And then in the bottom of these, this koozie, I've developed a magnetic system that makes it stick on there nice and solid so this is actually a full can of water so i don't want to spill it but it does stick on there nice and solid won't knock off but then you can grab it like if you're paddle boarding and you need to keep your hands free just toss that down there bottom boom bottom bang that's the unspill and you know there are other products out there that can kind of be similar or attempt to do the same things how does unspilt differ from them and and what makes it so unique Besides just the ability to stick on extra surfaces that others may not. <laughs> right. Well, I'm going to try not to name any names, but I did go out there and literally, because I didn't start out trying to make this. It was, I went out and tried to buy one and every single product that I could find. And still I buy everything that comes out and try it. I, I just love this stuff. It's, it's so cool. And I like to see other innovation and stuff, but um, still the bottom line is there is nothing that comes even close close in ruggedness and reliability. Um, there are some little things you can stick on the bottom of a can that'll help sort of keep your drink on a little better than if you didn't have it there, but none of them are going to stick as solid as this base. I, I designed this thing so that like literally the suction cups are so strong. I worked, I have to give a shout out to, to John Orban at um, 
Corbin Designs. He's the, the mastermind behind the polymer and the suction cup. Um, and we work to develop this design for um, this particular application and make it like rugged as oh, rugged AF, I guess you could say. <laughs> <laughs> and and so does I, I guess you know for some that are, are thinking about like, oh, okay, so I've got a couple different things that I don't want to put it on. How hard is it to get it off of there? when you want to maybe move it from one board to the next or, or what, you know, from the kayak to the, to the canoe or something like that. That's an awesome question. Um, Cause I actually, I have three, you know, now I have four boards. It's a little excessive and, but you know, when you love something, right. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> so I wanted it to be something that you could easily like pick up off of one board, move to another, take it to the raft go back into camp, stick it on the cooler. So that's the really cool thing about this um, patented polymer. It's removable and reusable. So you can pull it off. You can wash it if you get it dirty. So it's a number of times that will retain that stickiness. Um, eventually it'll wear up like anything. So I offer replacement cups and designed it so that it's really easy to just pop the cups out and replace them. But yeah, you can you can move it and reuse it as much as you want. I, and and you, I was going to say, you answered the other question was, uh, obviously, if you go in the water or you you come off and land in a place you're not supposed to, it could get dirty. So that's cool. So you have you have thought this through is what I'm hearing. And you have thought of how to, if parts go bad, how to replace them. And being a two-part, you can have, you know, the koozie that if it, you were happen to something goes wrong with it, you could just get that part as well. Indeed. You know, I should tell you about one other feature. And because thinking it through. I know, you know, a lot of people like to have a canned beverage and this, this lid will, will hold that in, but I like to take my coffee out or maybe have a wine or, you know, something on the rocks. And so I also wanted it to have to accommodate that. And it has this, basically it's like an adult sippy cup lid. So it goes on and it'll hold in whatever, whatever your drinker choice is. I love it. That is awesome. That is awesome. Because, yeah, early morning, you might not be cracking anything too hard open. You might need a little wake me up. And then later in the evening, you can uh, rinse out and, and go into something a little uh, a little more uh, ABV, so so to speak. And, and, and for those that are looking for it, they can go online to theunspilt.com and purchase it there. And it's also available in stores in Colorado and Utah, I believe. Absolutely. And um, as well as Arizona. And um, the Bay Islands of Honduras, there's one uh, nonprofit uh, fly fishing organization that's brought a couple of down, them down there, too. So we're international. I love it. it will, so it's the, it's the worldwide headquarters, the international headquarters there, there in Denver. You can also find them on social media, The Unspilt on Facebook and The Underscore Unspilt on Instagram. Did you know Hops and Spirits is more than just this podcast? Check out hopspirits.com for our latest episode release, past episodes, interviews with interesting folks in the alcohol industry, and so much more. Just go to hopspirits.com. Feel free to wait until this podcast is done. Joining us here on the Bar Conversations for our conversation, he's an award-winning chart-topping country artist. Please welcome in Brett Kissel. Brett, welcome. Hey, dude. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I, I appreciate you taking some time. I know you got busy days the, these days, and um, I, I appreciate you sharing a drink with me, even if it's midday. <laughs> well, you know what? My uh, my grandpa bear, he says, well, it's noon somewhere. He says, why wait till five o'clock? He says, it's noon somewhere. <laughs> so 
don't uh, I, I've got a few really good stories about throwing them back with uh, some interesting people and especially my, my family you know it's we love to celebrate with a cocktail so I thought this was the perfect conversation uh, perfect podcast so thanks for having me uh, yeah, absolutely. Now I'm enjoying. I'm doing a little day drink with a little minor case rye out of uh, Kentucky. Um, which I don't know if you've got a drink with you, but if you if you don't, what's your kind of favorite drink or go to drink? I I'm I'm pretty good at, at drinking, so I <laughs> and and I, and I like I, I really I like everything. I mean, my go to is 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 a is a Canadian whiskey for sure. Um, love Canadian whiskey, but I own a vodka company called Deuce Vodka. So it's up in Canada, it's up in Alberta, Manitoba, and Saskatchewan. Um, we won the Alberta Vodka of the Year, so I'm really proud of that. It's just a super, super smooth vodka. And being that I've got Eastern European roots and all of my family is Ukrainian, we know a thing or two about a good vodka. And everyone says, yeah, you know, the Russians make it the best, but I, I disagree. I, I think we've got the best <laughs> vodka. I was going to say, what made you decide to, to get into the, to vodka and, and launch something? I mean, yes, you got roots, but that's a whole different ballgame getting into the business. Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's just the entrepreneurial spirit that I, that I have um, to get into the spirit business, pardon the pun. The reality <laughs> is, is that I, I do love the business. I love the business of alcohol and I love the, <clears throat> everything to do with hospitality, food and beverage. I've always loved it, even though obviously my true passion is country music. So how can you tie them both together? But when I saw Blake Shelton has Smithworks Vodka and Ryan Reynolds has Aviation Gin and Dwayne The Rock Johnson's got Terramana Tequila, I'm thinking, well, yeah, I'm not as big a star as those guys by any sense, but why why not me? So when a a guy approached me on Instagram, he owned Deuce Vodka. His name is Matt Doucette. Um, and he's actually become my, one of my best friends. He approached me on Instagram and said, I'd like to sponsor you. And I judged a book by its cover and I actually said, no, I said, I, I kind of like, I don't, I don't know if you can afford me because it was, it was a very economy based vodka, but then I was, I was foolish and naive economy. Vodka is so important and it is so it's important to do it good. And so we were just able to really rebrand it. And now, you know, we're, we're one of the, one of the top selling vodkas in Western Canada. So I'm really, really proud of that and had a really good conversation about vodka with Scott Borchetta, um, you know, who owns Big Machine Vodka too. So the spirits business, people want to talk more about booze sometimes than they do about country music. So <laughs> go figure. Well, I mean, I feel like they go hand in hand though. When you, when you really think about it, I, I was, I was talking recently with, um, um, Alan Jackson's folks, uh, his daughter, and he just just launched his own whiskey. So I mean, it's it seems like it's it's, it's commonplace the, <laughs> these days to have a it little is. drink. Uh, yeah, very much so. Brad Paisley, I know that he's uh, doing some work on launching a bourbon if he hasn't already. And um, Luke Bryan's got a you know got a beer, and there's a tequila coming out with Thomas Rhett. So it's really really cool how artists are getting into the spirit world because we understand that it's a really special business and there's a lot of money uh to be made so why let uh why let smirnoff or or diageo or bacardi make all the money when when we can make some too Mm -hmm. and any any expansion plans east and maybe a little south down down to the states yeah very much so we've had a really good conversation with a a distribution partner um in uh in in the united states to bring it to oklahoma and texas and 
in Tennessee, Kentucky, California, New York, uh, Florida. So we're well on our way and very unique trademarks for some uh, brand names of, of alcohol that we want to start launching, especially in the flavored space. So because of that, I think these uh, these distributors are really, really excited. So that'll be a big game changer if you can get into a lot of the chains and the Bevmos and, and the Walmarts and 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 stuff like that. If if you can if you can get in there and Costco and and all the big chains as well, then I mean, oh my God! I mean, I'll, I'll be able to play country music for fun. I, I won't even have to <laughs> be worried about getting paid to sing. You know. Well, but you you, you do enjoy singing, and, and 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 I'll get to that here too in a second. But you're, uh, for those that don't know, he he he's from Canada, lives up there. Um, I'm could guessing. You, could you're a you tell fan. by my accent? Jonathan, the high just a little bit, and the A's and the enunciation, <laughs> just a little bit, and and I've got a few few Canadian friends that ended up coming down to the states to play golf in college with me, so I I've got a few interesting stories there, and you know, but I'm guessing you you know you're a hockey fan and got to be loving this time of year. Absolutely, the minute that uh, that hockey came back, it's uh, it, it gets me so fired up. A huge fan of the Edmonton Oilers. But I got a lot of respect for the Nashville Predators and what they've done as an organization and uh, how great of a hockey town Nashville has become. Um, I remember you know, being able to get a ticket for $20 uh, to watch the Preds, which got, uh, you know, got, you, got you a beer and a hot dog you know, for 20 or 25 bucks. Whereas now, I mean, yeah, ticket is $200 to watch the Nashville Predators because it's such a, a vibrant city that loves hockey. But... Um, I'm really, really good friends with some some players that play on the Oilers, and so it's amazing to to watch your friends succeed. And I think we're going to go really deep this year. So with hockey back, I'm in a great mood. Well, I I remember because I'm, I'm living in Kentucky now, but I grew up in, just outside of Pittsburgh. And when, when the Penguins and the Predators were in the Stanley Cup, I was like, I can I can get down there, I can watch a game. And I saw the tickets, and I went, nope, 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 can't can't pull that one off. As much as fun as it'd be to watch the Stanley Cup, I couldn't pull that off. <laughs> well, I I had the great fortune of of watching that series every game that was in Nashville. Nashville ended up losing in Game Six um, to Pittsburgh, um, but was there to watch Sidney Crosby hoist the cup. Uh, Again, for the second year in a row, because they beat San Jose in 16 and then Nashville in 17, um, it was it was an amazing, it was an unprecedented run for the for the Predators that just had the entire city in um, the city was on a tear, and it was the most amazing thing to see, where you didn't know who was going to sing the anthem, and Keith Urban was one night, Trisha Yearwood was one night, Garth was one night, Carrie <laughs> Underwood was one, like it was Nashville came alive, that I think the rest of the world saw. What an amazing city it truly is. And with you being in Kentucky, obviously coming to Nashville, I'm sure so many times you know exactly what I'm saying. And it's uh, there's a culture here that's unreal. But I'll also say I've been to Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh is the, the single most underrated city in all of America. I think I love Pittsburgh more than, than I could have ever imagined. It's an amazing city. My, my my wife was that way. She she was like, ah, and then we came through the mountain, and she was like, oh, I get it. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. That's not, not what you think. Um, you know, that's a, a cool cool entryway there. But, you know, for, for you and hockey, did you ever play hockey growing up? I'm assuming you did, but did it go very far? How did that go, or was music where it was at? Yeah, music was where it was at from an early age. But like every Canadian, I don't think you can you can have a Canadian passport and not have, have strapped on the skates and, uh, and, and gone out and played played hockey for a couple of years. So, so I did play hockey for a few years, but I was so passionate about music. And the minute I told my parents how much I loved music, 
my mom especially, I think, was all <laughs> couldn't have been more happy to instead of waking up at six in the morning to take me to a hockey practice in a cold arena, it was the opposite. She was excited to wake up early in the morning to, you know, drive me down the road to a rodeo where I was going to play country music or, um, you know, to a singing competition or to a theater where, you know, I'd, I'd open for somebody. Um, it was, it was just really special. So I had great support from the early days. My dad played high level hockey. He was a goalie. My brother's a great athlete, but, uh, music was the only thing I ever wanted. <laughs> well, and it's working out pretty well for you. And I, I know what also is pretty big for you too is, is family. And just how important are they? Because obviously, from a young age, they supported you on on the music side, and now you've got your own family that's growing and supporting you. Well, family is everything. Um, you know, we're nobody gets out of life alive. You know, so how do you want to spend the time that you have? And there's a lot of great experiences that music affords me, but. My best days ever are, you know, with my wife or with with my children. So we feel so blessed to have four kids. We love our family so much. I love my kids more than words could ever express. And being able to bring them out and travel with them and spend all of this time together and learn and watch and experience, I I, I feel like the luckiest dad in the world. Um, so family family is everything. It's it's indescribable, honestly, how how much I love them. Well, and how have things changed for you? Because I know, and I'll, I'll probably mention this a little bit later, or, or even just now, you, you have a love of touring. I'm guessing with, with four kids now and being around them, they get to come to some, but I'm guessing you're not doing 112 stops a year. Yeah, true. You know, in the in the early days, my, my daughters, um, I swear, they, uh, and honestly, I should get this verified, but I believe on two airlines, uh, United and Air Canada, that they would have had to have been the youngest humans to ever have elite status or diamond status or whatever it would be on these airlines because we would do over 100 flights a year per airline. So that would be what's called super elite status. So when you're two years old, you have to buy a ticket. And I'm thinking to myself, well, holy shit, you know, (laughs) how crazy is this that my daughter is three years old and she's sitting first class because of her status and every lady at the airport knows my kids by name and they get you know three full bags at 70 pounds a piece and yet all they want to do is bring a couple teddy bears and a carry-on because we're traveling all across the united states and canada it was really special for those years but now that we have four children it just it's it's very expensive and it's a lot to travel and it's not really our collective desire anymore to travel in that way unless we're on a bus and we can really be together because Airline travel, it kind of sucks these days and every second flight is canceled. So when I was on my own or just me and my wife, yeah, no problem. Let's just sleep on the airport floor and we'll take the next flight. No big deal. We'll have a drink at the at, at the bar. Whereas now when you got little kids, uh, it's not easy. So if we're not on a tour bus, I usually just head out and come home as quick as I can. I was going to say, I, I had a, our daughter has... has flown a lot more than some of our, our friends not not nearly di- you know elite status but but, but uh she she's uh you know i mean flown across the country and, and things like that and you know a layover with a at that time a two-year-old was very interesting of a couple hours oh yeah whenever that's why whenever i i see you know today if i'm ever on a flight night and, and i see or experience a you know a mom or a dad or or anybody with with a kid who's upset it's no one wants to be on a plane anyway especially not a toddler. So 
I, I always make sure that we, we cut slack to, to those parents with a, with a baby who might be crying or their ears are popping and stuff like that. And I've been known to, especially when a mom's got a baby in her arms and she's trying to, you know, uh, unpack the stroller and try to put the diaper bag on her back and trying to take apart the stroller so that she can leave it at the jetway. Like I am the guy always who's like, if you need, I can help you. I know how every stroller works and, or I can hold your baby. Like I've done that. And there are a lot of parents who are like, who the hell is this weirdo said, I'll hold your baby. But then there's some parents who are like, Oh my God, thank you so much. And you know, before you know it, half the flight I'm hanging out with a, with a two year old. So this random mom can, can have a, have a nap. Hey, there, there is something to be said for that. We, I, fr- I think we were flying from Chicago to Portland for a wedding and, and, uh, we, we I was, I had taken a nap cause my wife, we weren't sitting right next to each other and my wife had our daughter and I said, how'd it go? She goes, great. A guy like six rows back was playing peekaboo for an hour and a half with her daughter. And yeah. It was the best flight ever. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, it is, it is pretty great. There's some airlines that are just so good for, for kids. And, um, I flew to Newfoundland, which is on the very, very East coast of, of Canada. And we, we played an amazing show there this summer, and that was the only province that my daughters have never been to. They've been to every territory and every province but Newfoundland. So when we flew them out to Newfoundland, we just had the best time. What a great experience. And they were long flights, but the flight attendants treated me really well with uh, a couple extra cocktails that uh, landed on my tray and treated the girls well with just extra snacks and visiting. And it was a very memorable summer and a memorable holiday with just me and my two daughters, it was just the three of us that went. Uh, those are memories that, that you, you will never forget. And I, I feel like too, with, with some of the things that you, you're, even your most recent singles got to be kind of about that in terms of watch it. Is that kind of just about those moments that you get to, to remember and hope they don't pass by too quickly? Well, the sad thing is, is that every single moment has passed by too quickly. You know, it already has. I, I wish so badly that I could go back to that, to that trip that we took together. I wish so badly that I could go back in time and soak in this memory of, you know, our kids on the beach together when we, we took a, a, a vacation pre-COVID to Hawaii. Um, I wish so badly I could soak in the moment where I played the Opry a few years ago and my daughter Mila, who's now six, she was a two-year-old and she walked me to the stage. You know, I that the song Watch It talks about those moments and the chorus says, they say take life one day at a time and I'm trying, but it's flying. Um, and every parent, I'm sure they told you the same thing of an older generation or anyone who had kids before you. Um, and now I'm saying it to parents who've got kids after me that enjoy it because you blink and you miss it. I know my, my daughter's about to turn four and I'm just like, wow, how did that happen? And it's just, it's amazing. And you know, do, do they get to, obviously, you know, they're, they've been around your, your life and, and country music Do do they uh, have any favorite songs or do they help pick out songs or, or how, how involved are they with, with, with this fun thing? Well, my last album, I'm really proud of it because they were involved in a way where I just, I record a lot of our conversations together. And so what I had done is I had recorded, um, just them saying some really unique things and some very cute things. And I ended up putting that on the record just as a, because the album was called What Is Life? And life is all about sharing these moments with your family. That's one of the answers to the question for me personally. So involving my three children at the time, we've, got a, we've had a fourth since then, 
has been amazing. Um, and then the other thing that's really, really great is that I do play songs for them before obviously anybody else hears them. And I love when they can tell me the songs that they, that they love. And some of them have become singles. So it's really, really cool to have those unique conversations to just play a new song in the vehicle when you're driving somewhere and just see what the kids think. See what my wife thinks because their, their opinions matter to me a lot. Now, I read somewhere where you said you didn't really grow up in a musical family. And by that, no one before you was really musical. Yeah, not a one. How did you get, in, how did you get into music then? <laughs> I still don't know. I said, my mom got me a guitar when I was six at Christmas. And my mom used and dad used reverse psychology on me because they put me in lessons for about six months. And I, I didn't like lessons so much. Um, I wanted to learn Johnny Cash songs. I wanted to learn Sold at the Granite County Auction. I wanted to learn George Strait, Amarillo by Morning. And my guitar teacher was trying to teach me theory and notes and shit like that. And I, I said, I'm going to quit. And my mom and dad said, well, don't quit. But if you, if you don't take lessons, will you still play? I said, I promise I'll play every day. So that's what I did. That's what I, I did. I just learned chords just by ear. I learned songs literally by ear, and I never took another lesson a day in my life. Well, it, it seems to be working out just to, you know pretty good for you. Pretty good. Um, I think so. You know, you know. I mean, and and you talk about like using you know your kids for inspiration and family with Watch It and other songs. I mean, how do when you go about writing? Where does that inspiration come from? Is it always an idea or is it an experience? Well, you draw on the experiences for sure um, when you're trying to find the lyrics and the meat. Um, on the bone. But I always start with a title, like 99% of the time, I'll start with a title and I will write towards that title. Um, so, you know, if, if it might be my first single called started with a song, okay, well, that's a unique title. What, what, what does it mean? Well, it means, you know, if you hear that song, it can take a party from a 10 out of 10 to a 15 out of 10 real quick. If you are with a girl and the right song comes on and you lean in for a kiss, well, we all know what that feeling is like. So it all started with a song. So you then have your your roadmap for how you want to create that song. Um, but you want to draw on personal experiences. Sometimes I may have a personal experience that I really want to write about or talk about, but I have to find the right title. Um, because it you have to land on that title, that hook. So you can tell this great story, but if it doesn't complete, um, it, or it seems very incomplete if you don't have a great um, title. You know, so it's it's very important to me to have a, a, a hook and have that title. Now, now is uh, she drives me crazy about anyone, or are we pleading the fifth on that? <laughs> um, it's that that's that's I don't mind telling you that's that's about me and my wife. Vegas pre kids, we go to Vegas all the time, and we would just let loose and just have a party and 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 some great nights. I remember, um, you know, at our at our local bars up in Edmonton, one was called the Ranch. One country bar is called the Oil City Roadhouse, and uh, I, I don't know just what what else. And and you can drink when you're 18, right? So mm -hmm. in Canada, so if it's um, if it's it it, it was literally those days. 18 when when my wife and I were 18, 19, and 20, there was there was no stopping us at all. It was that's so those are the experiences. Easy. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Now, how did your collaboration with uh, 98 Degrees? come about on ain't the same 
you know, my manager, Jim, really gets the credit on, on that one because um, even though I'd met 98 Degrees before and we did an event together in Toronto at, uh, at an awards show, they actually introduced me on stage. Um, so it's cool. Got to meet him and you know how small talk goes. Like, hey, man, let's stay in touch. But it was my manager who stayed in touch with Jeff Timmons of 98 Degrees in a big way. They both love to work out. They both love fitness. They're both very passionate about um, about you know the fitness lifestyle. So they've always, whenever my manager was in LA, he'd always see Jeff, or whenever he went to Vegas, he'd see Jeff, and and they always connected over that. So when I wrote the song "Ain't the Same" with Karen Kazowski and Tim Nichols, um, I I sent that to Jim. I said, "What do you think?" And he says, "Oh, this would be great for 98 Degrees." And I'm like, "Oh yeah, sure." Like sure that like they would ever consider a country song, so he sent it to Jeff. Jeff circulated it with the boys in the band, and I kid you not, within a couple of days they went into the studio and they cut their vocals. It was the most extraordinary collab because there was no bullshit to it. They loved the song and they said, "Well, we'll figure out a royalty split. We'll figure out management shit later." They're like, "We love the song. We're going in," and it was a really, really big song for us. We played it on the award show. It was the song of the night um, here at the Canadian Country Awards last month. And I just love it. And I love those guys. Now I got to ask, have they ever accepted your application to be in the group? <laughs> <laughs> I've asked them so many times. And I think if they they had an opportunity to be with a lot bigger stars than me. So I, I realized very quickly that 98 Degrees works because it's four guys. 98 Degrees works because it's four handsome guys and 98 degrees works because it's for very talented guys. I don't really have a lot of talent. I'm not that handsome and adding a fifth member makes them like Backstreet Boys and NSYNC and they don't want that. So, so that was that. I, I, I'd like to put that dream aside. Ah, oh, darn. Maybe, maybe one day, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe one, one day. day. Yeah. <laughs> now you, you touched on this earlier about how, you know, you love Johnny Cash um, a lot of kind of those classic country songs. Were those your influences kind of all the way through and still to this day? They're very much so. I mean, if I'm just cruising in my truck by myself, like I am listening to the classics. Of course, I love 90s country. I love 2000s. Um, but 80s, 70s, 60s. Oh, my God. And the late 50s. Like nothing against the early Hank Williams stuff or, or Kitty Wells. But if it was early 50s for me, that really was bluegrass and banjo and stuff like that. And I have great respect for it. But once production started to get unique and really start to build in the late 50s and the 60s, oh, my God. Like, I could lose myself in a great cocktail and vinyl Johnny Cash or Buck Owens or Glenn Campbell spinning. And that, to me, is, is heaven. There are moments that you can experience on earth, I'm convinced of it, that are heavenly. And that, to me, is one of those experiences. There really is something about those, because I didn't grow up on those, but I ended up, lo and behold, working at a classic country radio station, and we played oh, those hits, 70s, 80s, you know, early 90s, we, you know, very early 90s, and then we dip back into the 60s and so forth. And it was so cool to hear those songs and, and really get into what, to me, is storytelling. And I, I think that is what is so cool, because it takes you somewhere. Well, you listen to The Grand Tour by George Jones. What a story. You listen to El Paso by Marty Robbins. What a story. Listen to Johnny Cash. Don't take your guns to town, son. 
What a story. And that's the best part, I'm convinced of it, of country music, is that still to this day in the year 2022, there are artists and songwriters that are still telling great stories and no other genre can do it like country music can. And I was going to say, how do you find your lane on on that storytelling and and kind of take it to, you know, this new age of country and kind of just with the the different things that we've got going on these days? Well, a lot of it is you take it song by song for me. So there are some great story songs that will come out on a new record in the new year that I think are going to blow people away because it's a different side to me. You know, I really took a deep dive into the things that, um, that can pull on your heartstrings, the things that could that, that can devastate you in life uh, of law, you know, in particular loss, loss of family members, loss of identity. So because I'm a country artist, I feel like I, 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 I'm able to do that. It's acceptable to do that. Um, but then there are some songs that have no story at all that are true party. Like there's a bit of a story to She Drives Me Crazy or a song I wrote called Raise Your Glass. But make no mistake, that song is meant to be cranked up live where we you know, do like they do in Spinal Tap and crank it up to 11 and we just play it loud and proud and it's all about a feeling. And the more you drink, the better this is going to sound. You know what I mean? So I make sure that I walk the line and I have both aspects of that in my show, no matter where I'm playing and no matter who I'm playing for. Well, I was going to say, you, 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 I mentioned it earlier, you love touring. I mean, you had 100 plus stops one year, kind of setting a record there. And what is it about going on tour and being on stage that you just love so much? Uh, great question. And, and the, the, the quick answer to that is connection. Being able to connect with your audience on a one-on-one basis. And I feel that there is a one-on-one relationship, even if there, there's a thousand people in a theater or 10,000 people in an arena. Or even, I've been lucky enough a few times to play to, to 50,000 people. I got to open for Garth Brooks and I watched how he connects with an audience of 50,000 people. And everybody can say that they had a moment with Garth where he sang to them, he looked at them, he connected with them. And tour life is all about genuinely connecting. So that's why it's, it's, it's my favorite thing to do. So the studio is great. Songwriting is great. But it ain't nothing like touring. It ain't nothing like entertaining. I was going to say, it's got to be pretty cool to have people singing songs back to you and, and knowing how much they just love what you're doing. Cause not all every profession gets that, gets that, that feeling. Well, it's, it's the best. It's, it's instant feedback, which is so beautiful. And I'm so grateful for that. And, and even getting a chance to, you look at what you and I are doing right now, having these conversations with people, whether it be on FaceTime or face to face, um, this is genuine connection. This we're talking about music. We're talking about something that on a Tuesday morning, a song didn't exist. And yet Tuesday afternoon, a song like Watch It has now arrived and it's changed my life. I'm very, very grateful for that. And anytime I can, I can, you know, uh, talk about music, it's a, a welcomed opportunity. I was going to say music and drinks are always a, a great conversation piece. And, you know, you've, you've done pretty well, too, on the awards side, winning, uh, I think, three Juno Awards, more than 20 Canadian Country Music Association Awards, including, I believe, four fan choice, which has got to go a long way. Yeah, that that one in particular, it's 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 the best award because it's voted on specifically by the fans. So everything else is is beautiful. Any other trophy that I've been grateful enough to, to receive has has a very special place. Um, in my heart, in my home, as part of my, my timeline. 
But when you win something that's voted on specifically by the fans, that you could take everything else away, but those ones, I'll, I almost want to be buried with them in, in the casket, holding on to them because they, they mean so much to me. Well, and, you know, I think the next goal is obviously to have the success everywhere and, and getting to Nashville, kind of, you know, doing that, that thing there. How is that going for you? And where, where, where is that life at? Well, you know, it's, it's a very special segue because I'm currently in Nashville and things are going at a very fast pace and in such a great way. And I'm loving it so much. I'm reconnecting with Nashville. I've lived here for many years. I've lived here for, for 10 years. Um, I've had a home here for 10 years, even though I would say in a lot of ways I'm based more in Canada because of touring and my life is up there. But um, I love I love being here and I love how busy it has become. Um, and that's why if, if you notice that I was I was looking over here at my man at my manager, um, my issue was that I forgot that I did have another uh, conversation on on the docket that we, that we've since pushed back. It's it's OK. We can continue for a little bit more. But uh it's really great to know that there's Americans like you who's in Kentucky right now talking about a guy from Canada on your show. I don't take that for granted. I'm really grateful for that. Well, and you've got some fun things also coming out because you're working so hard and working so much. you got some new music coming out in 2023. What can you say about that? Because I've heard it's a really cool project. Well, I think it's the most extravagant project I've ever done. Actually, I know that it is. And it's it's so big. It's a it's a gigantic project that really shows the four key sides of 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 who I am as an artist and and as a man. And I have an internal compass that I've been getting to know um, a lot more over the past couple of years as I've done a lot more soul searching. And so this internal compass um, points in four different directions on any given day northeast south and west and so i've created essentially four albums that talk about those four needles on the compass so that's really all that i can say about it but it's um you know morgan wallen did a double album and cody johnson did a double album and i said well why do a double album when you can do a quadruple album so that's what i'm doing <laughs> <laughs> you'll just not sleep at all and you'll just no. be doing a, a whole lot of yeah, recording <laughs> yeah for it'll be it'll be over 40 songs so i i think if anybody wants to take a deep dive into these four sides of me and they're all vastly different so i think that that's what's going to make this very unique well and, and you know obviously you've got that coming out in 2023 and we're rolling toward the end of 2022 what can folks expect kind of between all that and what else you have up your sleeves well i get to play the opry this week which is really special here in nashville and um i'm always so honored to step inside that sacred circle and 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 be amongst just this energy that is it is indescribable that you can only find at the grand Ole opry and so doing that i i have a european tour in november um, where we're not doing many shows, but there are very meaningful shows that we'll play in Italy and Spain, um, which again is a pinch me moment to think, okay, hold it. It wasn't that long ago. I was on the farm chasing cattle with my dad and my grandpa, singing songs at a local rodeo, and now I'm getting paid to travel to Rome or Venice or Barcelona to play my brand of country music to country music fans on the other side of the world. Like, I can only use two words to describe that, and it's holy shit. Like, is this, <laughs> or ask a question, is this real life? 
And so there's a lot of gratitude um, and a lot of excitement to, to round off 2022. I, I love that, and and I can't wait to hear hear the new music that keeps coming from you. And you know, because you're Canadian, what I got to finish this off with: what fun words do you have to say that we down here don't always say the same version of? Because a toboggan we might wear on our head, you do not do that. Yeah, I know, know that. I, I couldn't believe when someone called a toque a toboggan because a toboggan is a sled for us. Like we go tobogganing; it's a verb where we go and we get on a toboggan and we go down a hill. Uh, you know, that, so that was a wild one for me. Um, I'm the kind of guy who says A on a regular basis. Like that, that, was, like that was a great hockey game, eh? And like, so it was a good show, eh? Like, you know, we're walking out of a lot of my, you know, my wife went to watch Post Malone a couple days ago and I said, it's a pretty good show, eh? Like, I, ju- I just say it all the time. And, uh, but I have adopted an American saying in my regular vocabulary amongst all my friends. And I say y'all all the time. And I love it because it is the most efficient word that there's ever been. Because as Canadians, we are very polite. We explain a lot. And we, we articulate what we want to say. So it's very common for me to say, hey, all of you over there, can you please come over here and, and spend some time with me? But in America, say, y'all come here. Hey, y'all. Hey, y- y'all, y'all come y'all come out. And I love saying that now in Canada, like I'll be on stage. I'll say, how y'all doing? And everybody cheers. It's instead of how's everybody doing tonight? Tell me how you're feeling. Like, no, (laughs) how y'all doing? That's all you need to say. So Nashville has rubbed off on me a little bit too. Uh, I love that. And I have, I've ever since being around Canadians on the golf team, it is a toque to me as well. Yes. And and I think that'll always be st- stuck with me. And, and Brett, this was a blast. You can find more at brettkissel.com. Find them on social media to see when all the new projects are, are going. And uh, dude, this was a blast. It, it was really fun for me too. And thank you for just a great conversation and, and just some great questions. And I don't know if you've heard this term, um, I'll, I'll, you, you may cut this out of the interview or whatever, but uh, um, or maybe we're live now. I, I I don't know. But that that being said, uh, in Canada we have a term for any time you get a birdie on the golf course, you got to take a swig of birdie juice. Have you heard that before? <laughs> I have not, which is surprising with who I played golf with from well, Canada. Well, <laughs> I mean, and if, you, if 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 you played golf, especially in college, obviously you're a guy who gets a lot of birdies. So you know, and it could be Jaeger, it could be Fireball, it could be it could be anything. But you have to have a drink after you've had a birdie. So you got to drink some birdie juice. And uh, you're looking at the guy who has the worldwide trademark for that term. So that's what we're going to be launching in 2023 is we're calling it the unofficial drink of golf and it's birdie juice. I love that. And that will stay in as long as you're good with yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. This, I love it. I love it, Brett. Thank you so much. Okay, have a good one, dude. Thanks for this. See you, Jonathan. <laughs>